Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi friends, it's Sarah May. And this is an episode for a listener. It's episode 100. Um, yay, that's a big number. It's actually not the 100th episode. Um, cuz I have power-ups, etc., but it's 100 helping me help me be me episodes, so that's something awesome. Um, and this is about how to deal with the aftermath of having finding out you have an STD. So whether that's in dating or just like being yourself and dealing with the emotional aftermath. So this is for anybody who maybe just found out and is trying to grapple with what that means for you as an individual. I know there are a ton of great articles on this topic from people who seem really emotionally healthy and are super successfully living with STDs. Um, so I'll put a few links in the blog version of this post and um, in the show notes. And all of the blog versions live on yaywithme.com, along with the breakup album, which is a breakup coach in a podcast album. So check it out if you've been through a breakup recently. So there are some tools about how to f- have that conversation back to STD thing now. There are a lot of tools about, um, you know, just dealing emotionally. And then there's a little bit on just how to feel about your future and, and knowing that you do have a chance at happiness with a partner. I also want to cover the side of the topic that has to do with your personal feelings just about yourself, because I think that's kind of the hardest part. It's just how this thing changes um, how we identify ourselves and how we feel about our value and the stories we tell ourselves. So this can be a major meaningful milestone that somehow redefines a lot for a lot of people. So thank you for the request. And I think it's a really good topic. So with that, there are three parts. The what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. The emotional turmoil that often comes with discovering you have an STD. And that can be often that can often be things like feelings of self-hate, shame, dread, loss, anger, shock, hating your body, feeling scarred, feeling remorse, feeling violated, feeling forever somehow attached to someone or an event, despite Maybe the event not meaning as much to you, or maybe the person is somebody you really don't want to have a tether to at all. It can also make you feel like you're damaged goods, like you're lesser because of it, or that your sex life is over, or now you'll never find love. It can also put a new secret coding of shame on your relationship with yourself. Because suddenly you might look at yourself in the mirror and feel like you are forever dirty or broken. It becomes like a powerful costume for any fears you might have um, deep down inside. Like 
you know, secret truths that you've been staving off previously. It becomes the name of what's wrong with me and my life. And therefore, you might find that it haunts you. Although this thing is not all of you, it becomes all-consuming, something you cannot stop obsessing about or worrying about and maybe driving yourself mad. So at first, you might feel a sense of isolation, like you can't tell this to anyone ever. And maybe you can't even imagine telling someone, even a close friend, from the point you're at now. And maybe just the idea of it is terrifying to you. So you might wonder, can I willingly disclose this? Should I just abstain? Or how do I even tell someone? What if they reject me? Because rejection truly is actually, in studies, shown to be as painful as physical pain. It's excruciating. But then again, you might know you can't just infect other people without saying anything because that's much worse. That's like um, very, very selfish as well. So you know you can't do that. So in other words, everything might feel impossible from here. So before I go on, I want to say that your life is not over. It just has to change. And if you choose to make that a goal, just change a goal and change a perspective a goal, you can and will get to a place where you are comfortable and okay in your skin, even with this new truth. It will not cause you the pain and anxiety that it is causing you right now, but you first have to become aware that you have that choice to let go of the judgment, the second arrow, so to speak. It is what is the most pain-inducing, is our own feelings about ourselves. That's the part that causes you the most agony, not how it will affect your life. And... It sucks, but it is what it is. The majority of, you know, the downside of this is just in internal, internal terms. It's not the actual alterations it will make to your practical life. So make it your goal right now to not cause yourself unnecessary pain and to, to reach a place of comfort and confidence once again. So just to give you some recent stats before I get into part two, one in two sexually active persons, this is all U.S.-based, I believe. I'll put a link in the show notes. One in two sexually active people will contract an STI by age 25. 80% of sexually active people will have an HPV infection at some point in their lifetime. Uh, one in six people age 14 to 49 have genital, genital herpes. One in two people, 14 to 49, um, have herpes 1, which is the oral herpes. And increasing numbers of genital herpes are caused by HSV1. There you go. And 90% don't know they have genital herpes because the symptoms don't manifest. 90%. And two-thirds un of the population of the world under 50 are infected with HSV-1. So there's, I mean, more people than know they have it, have an STD or an STI. Um, they're like, it's so incredibly common. 
and it's growing increasingly more common. And this is like, you might want to close your ears off to this. It might be like such a bummer to think about. I'm only saying it to, to let you know that STDs are ubiquitous. Like they're so incredibly commonplace, but nobody talks about them. That's the difference. People talk about they have celiac or they have a gluten sensitivity, but they don't talk about that they have uh, gonorrhea, like because it's just got an extra layer attached to it. But it is just, it's more common than, you know, people that are actually celiac, I would guess. And I know it's like an unpleasant topic, but truthfully, you want to know if you have one. If you're one of those people that's listening and like thinking like, oh, I don't want to think about that. It's because many of them have worse effects if they go untreated. And things like infertility or increased vulnerability to things like HIV. So there are other bad things that come from not getting treated. So you definitely want the education. I'm I'm grouping everything into that statement, so I know that's a broad generalization. But the short of it is you want to know even though you don't want to know. So with that, just keeping all that in mind, part two, the why. Why is this such a not talked about thing that we can't face. The finding out part can be very much a trauma or at the very least a really painful shock. And that moment becomes defining in how you feel about your sexual identity and also how you make sense of the encounter itself or the relationship itself. Like it marks things in time because of how things shift in your memory. And STDs are really tricky because of what they connect to in our lives. They conjure lots of meaning because they're related to sex and uh, a relationship with another person. So think about if you got this disease from eating a sandwich. No one would feel this way about it. You wouldn't feel the same way about it. You would talk about it much more easily. It's the sex part that complicates things. Why? Because somehow this tells a story about you, a vague and salacious one. So your, more, your story might be different than the one that comes up in someone else's mind. But because of how layered that meaning is for everyone, it becomes a very emotional um, bug to catch. So not to mention the way you feel about the experience itself. It becomes very tangled in self-worth, Um, how we feel about sex, how we feel about being vulnerable enough to have sex, how we feel about uh, fidelity, how we feel about our bodies. Like there are so many layers that go, they connect to a lot of very sensitive nerves in just who we are. So when when it comes to something that causes us emotional pain, it's all about the story, how we give that thing meaning in our lives. So let's say you got this from someone you trusted. This now represents a violation by someone. It feels more traumatic in this context. It becomes like um, this continuous violation of trust, of boundaries, of safety that you can never truly heal from in your mind. So let's say you got this because you were wasted and you didn't care at the moment and the person didn't tell you and you didn't ask and you assumed. Now this might represent... I'll always be a screw-up, and my life is a total disaster as usual. Or let's say you have 
body image issues or you were raped at some point in your life, this will now trigger feelings of um, feeling like you don't own your body or you don't feel safe in your body or your body becomes more of a foreign object that you can disassociate from. The reason I'm saying all this is because I want you to take a moment to step back and examine the layer or the story that this thing has taken on for you. Just separate from it for a moment and know that this is truly a physical ailment that is what it is. But the additional layer of meaning you give it adds an extra dose of torture. So I just want you to recognize what the story you are adding is and write it down. Maybe it's a couple of different stories. Just jot down those sentences, whatever they are. See what meaning you are giving it. And in that act, you will start the process of lessening its grip just a tiny bit. I want this to become more objective as a process for you. It's kind of like a slow untangling. So whatever it is, acknowledge it. This is how I'm feeling about this fact now. It doesn't mean that it will mean this for you in a year from now. My goal is to change that story for you or help you to do that so that you might relax its grip a tiny bit and find the other less charged way of seeing it because this doesn't define you or alter who you are. It just feels like it right now from where you stand. And yes, you will have to make practical changes in how you go about living life, but they don't have to mean anything more than what they are. They're very basic, practical steps. Just like if you are allergic to peanuts, only different. What I'm saying is take the shame out and see that it is a problem to be worked around carefully, a health condition that must be treated and managed, and nothing more. The stigma very much lives in your mind. At least how potent this thing is lives in your mind. How others feel about it is truly a separate issue, and it's a much smaller one to be dealt with on a case-by-case basis. Because truly, the right person for you will love you despite this thing. They will manage it with you. I completely believe that. When it's your one, it's both of your problem. It's not just yours. It will make a difference to a percentage of the people you partner with, and it won't make a difference to a percentage of the people you partner with. But you have no idea. And you cannot live in the future hypothetical. You haven't had those experiences, and this is all happening in your head right now. And that is a waste of energy. The picture will be much different then in the future. It will be much more varied, much more layered, less simple, less straightforward, and not what you are anticipating. What you're anticipating is much more potent and painful than the reality. And that's because we always anticipate more pain than we experience. So that's my two cents. Leave the future for the future. In the feeling like you are damaged goods process, you anticipate the feelings of loss around people you haven't even met or maybe don't exist. So just take the self-induced hurt out of this process. The future will be a conversation. And it's one that's better had when you are not as vulnerable as maybe you are right now. And that's where I want you to start, is getting a little bit more comfortable in your skin and able to own the story, so to speak. So I would say if you are dating or maybe you are seeing a person right now, I would save that conversation to before, obviously before 
possible contraction, but save it for a time when you have gotten to know each other and you've let your personality shine and you like, you know you like each other. So at the bridge between I really like you and let's go deeper into this relationship. And that's totally my opinion. You do you. You know you and your situation best. But I would say let this be at the right moment in time where it's not all of you and it's you're still being very careful to take care of the other person. So that brings me to part three, the how, the tools. Firstly, this is not a tool, but I want you to Google the shit out of whatever it is you have and talk to your doctor about it if you haven't already. It's really important to know everything you can about it so you can responsibly share that information with your potential partners. If they have questions, you should have the answers. And just get acquainted with how to manage it. Know, like, the basics of et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm saying. All right, tool number one, blame it out. So one of the first and least helpful stages you might go through is blame. Self-blame, blame of the other person who gave it to you. It doesn't help you heal because it's protecting you from the hurt, which is the kind of nitty-gritty of the healing, like the feeling, the pain, and sadness, and mourning. So it doesn't mean you can just force yourself to skip it. So I want you to basically intentionally get all of that out and allow yourself to fully feel the blame and the hate and the anger and the whatever it is, that all the petty stuff. Allow yourself to feel that and get it out. And at the end of whatever, let's say it's a car ride or let's say it's a week, you get to choose the increment you're going to dwell in this stage. Make it finite. I recommend a day. At the end of that day, you're going to put it away and you're not going to go back there again. This might not be as easy for you as it's, it sounds like. You might be like, ha, that's impossible. So if you find that it's coming up for you again and again, whenever those thoughts come up, notice them and give them a time limit. So I recommend whatever the, the complete duration of wherever you are is. So for example, if you're driving, be the end of the drive. If you're in a meeting, it's the end of the meeting. Whatever it is, at the end of this increment, it's time to put it away. You cannot dwell anymore. Allow those thoughts to exist and then say, and now I'm done. And then just basically gently remind yourself you've put that aside for now. It'll be like your brain wants to go there and you have to just keep turning its head around and pointing towards the television or whatever you need to use to, to distract yourself. This is kind of a, a second version of that tool. It's called a full mourn. I want you to take a night or a few nights and basically allow yourself to be fully in the morning. Be sad. Be upset. Feel the, the loss. Allow yourself to, to go into the, the full expression of what this means for you. And at the end of that, you're going to do the exact same thing. I want you to put a date on the calendar. Maybe like, let's say it's the end of the week. Maybe it's even the end of the month. But you're going to set a date that you're going to be done with the morning process. That'll be your final day 
of letting this thing spank you and make you cry. The final day of feeling sad or thinking about this thing that has happened in a sad way. So this is more to give yourself a contained space to feel the feelings that come up for you and not feel like, oh, I shouldn't be so sad and, oh, what I need to stop this and whatever it is. Like, allow yourself to feel that. But during this time, that's the only time you're going to feel that way. And then literally it's just going to be a deliberate process of refocusing on something else, distracting, distracting, distracting. So it might you might find that your brain is like super annoying in how much it wants to bring up this topic for you. Um, so if that's the case, it'll be a constant state of going through self-care that will help you refocus your mind in the moment. Like I know for a lot of people, STDs become the name of my shame or the name of my anxiety or the name of worry and everything that's wrong in my life. And it'll come up at times when you feel triggered or powerless or fearful. And like if that's the case, it's recognizing I'm doing that again. This is my shame game. And then taking steps to physically soothe your body and soothe your chemicals and then redirecting your focus consistently it's just like training a puppy it's like you have to be really diligent and like distracting yourself and what happens is slowly that compulsion to think about this and make yourself hurt lessens and it weakens it's just like ocd in a strange way like the more you fulfill the compulsion the stronger it gets so the more you react to it and dwell on it and allow it to to become what's present in your mind the more it kind of strengthens it so it's really about finding ways to gently relax into it and find something that you can direct your attention toward that doesn't feel like it's struggling so much with it. I should do an OCD episode. I just thought of that. Anyway, the next tool I have for you is called I Was Married Once Before. Fun title, eh? So you'll get the meaning soonish. So when you do have the talk with your partner, with your next partner, every article will say, choose a place and time that allows for the other person to take a non-awkward break to think about this. So not when you're about to have sex, not when you are about to meet parents, and at a time when they can gracefully make an exit if they have to take it in and think, and, and preferably with as little weight added as possible. So deliver it like you are delivering information about a peanut allergy. It's super serious. You have to be super careful. You hate it. You're educated on all things related to it, but it's not your fault and you are indifferent to what it is. Most important, I want you to remember, your partner will mirror how you feel. So if you have to work on your feelings about this STD before you date, so be it. Because you're going to pass on the feeling or intention you have when you tell the other person. So as a way to normalize the tone, like the way you deliver this, if you haven't really gotten there yet, like let's say it's still kind of a painful thing for you, I recommend borrowing the tone um, of another conversation you might have. So for example, that might be, I was married once before. It's a long, crazy story for another time. And maybe that's a bad example for you because it's super painful. But that's something that I would use because I can understand how to deliver that topic tonally. 
So whatever it is for you, borrow the tone. Exactly. And practice, I recommend practicing in the mirror. So picture yourself delivering the same information, but in the way, imagine yourself saying like, oh yeah, I was married once before. Long, crazy story for another time. Just get used to all the intonation as though you were delivering that information. Because the first thing they will feel is your pain, your anxiety, and like they need to feel bad about this thing because you feel bad about it. They'll react in part to that, in part to your feelings. For example, let's role play. I'll be you. I have something to tell you. <laughs> I have XYZ. Or, oh, I have XYZ. It's super annoying, but I'm really, really careful about it. I use XYZ medicine. It sucked the way I got it. But anyway, I wanted to let you know so you can do your homework, etc. So in that scenario, I was kind of picturing herpes. I don't know if that is not how the conversation would go for your particular infection. But the main takeaway is to have a sense of educated comfort with whatever it is and do not pass on anxiety for them to deal with. Like the shame and anxiety is what feels really heavy, like you're throwing someone dirty laundry. When you come at people with lots of your own emotions, you ask them to take care of you and manage your emotions on top of dealing with their own. So your job is just to make it safe for them to have many feelings they might have while asking nothing in return. At least in, that's how you can make it easiest for someone to hear the news. If you have a more intimate relationship that can hold that kind of emotion, then by all means, feel free to express yourself. But for people who are not attached to you already, it's important to give them space to think and zero expectations, have zero expectations. If they do take time to think and you feel rejected, I want you to know someone taking it seriously is a good thing. It's a good sign. It shows they are, are they care. They give a shit. It's not trivial. It's not flip. They're thinking things through wholeheartedly. It shows somebody is responsible and that they do care. It also, I would say, means a lot that you have dignified them by sharing this information with them. So you should feel good about that regardless. And in the time you are waiting for a response, if you are waiting, let go. Do a meditation of just detachment. Let go of what might come and know that it doesn't mean anything. It's not about you. It's about them and their life and what they're comfortable with. The end. You did the right thing. You honored them. You de demonstrated you are responsible. And you built trust. The end. Let go. So the next tool I have for you is called the Lifetime Original Drama. So as I said before, we all have kind of labels that we stick on to our shame. And they become methods of torture, of self-torture. And they come up for us whenever we're feeling vulnerable or hurt by somebody else or if we have old childhood feelings of, like, not being seen or not being understood or not being lo lovable. So this is a really common one that comes up for people when they feel um, like they might not be good enough. So I want you to notice if that happens for you. If you start to get that narrative in your mind and the melodrama music comes on 
Like, just notice, are you watching your own Lifetime original series about STDs? Like, is this sappy music coming on? And are you starting to tell yourself a story in your mind about how this is devastating and your life is over and your body is damaged and you're disgusting now and this person's never going to love you? And just recognize that narration in your brain. Notice the theme music. This is the way that we start to torture ourselves, and that's the self-induced pain. It's not about this. It's not about the STD. It's about the feelings of vulnerability and anxiety and shame. So separate the two. This is what it is, but just don't lump on the extra layer of melodrama. That is totally extra pain that should not be brought into your life. Know that for a lot of people, that shame label is my weight, it's my lack of success. It's my lack of hair. It's my whatever it is. Like it can be different for everybody. This is one of those ones that's super common. So just turn off the shitty Lifetime original series. The next tool I'll have is called Perfect Perspective. This is kind of cheesy, but I want you to know that your body is still perfect and sacred and you are not less of a prize because of this thing. Your body is still your temple, still a beautiful, perfect gift that you should covet and protect and someone f will feel special to receive. The only difference is now you know this thing, and this thing has a taboo culturally that I think will be passe. I think this will not be so taboo in like five years from now, ten years from now. But this taboo prevents others from talking about it openly. So the tool is grab your phone. When you're starting to feel shamey, I want you to Google hot celebrity, or maybe you're just going to go to your Instagram feed. And I want you to look at the image results and know that roughly half of those people have an STD. So if you want to be conservative about it, let's say it's a third. And they don't look like it, and they're not less valuable or shiny or important or special or worth falling in love with because of it. It's just the perspective you have now that has an extra dose of shame and perceived stigma. But it's just one of those things nobody talks about. There are a lot of people you probably have conversations with every day that, are, that have the exact same thing and they're not telling you and they feel more ashamed about it and they won't open up. To be open and comfortable is incredibly strong and confident, and it will open up many doors for other people that might be suffering silently. If you were to imagine the world talked openly about STDs, it would be like the way things are right now with PMS or not eating gluten. Like, that's how kind of normal a thing it is. Culturally, you are feeling something that is unrelated to just how common this thing is. So I just, in this perfect perspective, I want you to remind yourself with just that visual that everyone else is, you know, the whole population of the world, like half of them are in exactly the same position. So I hope that helps. And before I close... I want to thank my, one of my latest sponsors, Eating. Thank you so much and for your kind letter. That was really sweet of you. And for all of my monthly sponsors, thank you so much. You make this show possible.
So anybody out there, if you have time, I would love a review on iTunes. It really helps me reach other people that might need me. And anybody that has time who does not have access to iTunes, SoundCloud is another great place to leave a little heart or a comment, whatever. And if you have the means, donations definitely help this show come to life. So in closing, take the shame out of this. You are one among half the population. Two-thirds of Americans never have symptoms of herpes. I'm talking about specifically. So basically a lot more people have this, have an STD than know they have it. The more you, the more you remind yourself of that, the more you can fully realize that you're one of the stronger people that are actually having the conversations, you know? Like, that's the bravest, most responsible, loving, powerful thing you can do. It's really important, and it's really, you should be proud of yourself. So know also that this thing, whatever it is you have, will change in what it means for you. It won't mean so much to you in the next stage of your life, and it will mean different things at different life stages. It'll be managed differently at each one as well. Your locus of focus will change as well. So for example, if you have grandkids, you will not be concerned about your STD. You will be thinking about what kind of danger there is on the news or the squirrels that are destroying your garden. This only means this much right now when it is new. And when you feel like there's this scary transition you've got to make with a person that's potentially going to be a partner. So I say that to say, keep things in perspective. This isn't all of your life. This is just top of mind and important to you at this moment in your life. Stay smart and responsible and let the rest go. You can't control the future. You can't control others. You can control how you feel about yourself and how you love yourself and the efforts you make to be compassionate to yourself. So I hope this helps you and don't forget to smile. <laughs>